I mean, every quarterback is difficult to prepare for. I mean, everybody has their own things they're pretty good at. Um, just got to, you know, start over, clean slate, um, take everything that we learned from last week, you know, put it away and prepare for this week for Big Ben. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like that every single week. So, it's not that, it's not too much difficult than any other week. The Las Vegas Journal Review. You know, Darren Waller is a fantastic football player. Uh, uh, done some amazing things, will continue to do amazing things. But we'd like, again, to believe that we've got a number of skilled players right now in Josh Jacobs and Henry Ruggs and, and uh, Brian Edwards has come on. So, uh, you know, we know that we've got some, when we, and, and Derek knows that as well. If I spread the ball around to different receivers, we're a lot more uh, difficult team to defend. So. Uh, no, just becoming more aware of that. That uh, and, and again, when he sees the production that those guys had at the end of the game, I think that's a big confidence boost for not only them, but for Derek as well in going to them. Uh, you know, I can't tell you that. I, I, you know what? He is a true pro now. He was on the sideline probably being one of my biggest cheerleaders. He was outstanding. And I talked to him about that. He, he was fantastic. You know, that's tough, you know, to go through what he did. And, uh, you know, but his, his, his attitude, the way he handled it, great teammate, uh, outstanding. Can't say enough about him. And so hopefully everything works out this week. We're going to, you know, need a, a good dose of him hopefully this week. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. <laughs> Willie Ramirez is in for Ed Graney today. You just heard there from Gus Bradley talking about Cleveland Furl, who was a healthy scratch for game one. Do you think Cleveland Furl not being, not even just a starter, but not even being active, do you think that's a Gus Bradley call? Do you think Gus Bradley has that control to say, hey, this guy, I, I don't think he's good enough. I want to go with just the three defensive ends and, and Gakwe Crosby and Nassib. We don't need... Cleveland Furl for this game. You think that's solely Gus Bradley? Yes. I do think that Gruden trusts Gus Bradley in the calls on the defense. I don't think that uh, Ole has that that power over Gruden on the offense. Speaking of Ols uh, Greg Olson, the uh, offensive coordinator. But I think when it comes to the defense, Gruden and, he, and Gus Bradley sit down, talk, discuss, and Bradley tells him, what, here's what I want to do. Do I think that Gruden will have veto power and say, eh, I don't think so, but I think that when he presents his game plan, says this is what I want to do and this is why, that he definitely, Gruden trusts him enough to make that call. Gus Bradley says, hey, you know that guy you guys took fourth overall? I want to make him a cheerleader today. <laughs> yeah. Let's get him on the sideline. And, and that he was. I will, I will give it to him. He was up. <laughs> You know, he was definitely up and, and, and very supportive. And he was, he was you know, uh, you could see him actively cheering the team on, um, you know, and just being a part of of the of that crazy game. So on the offensive side, Marcus Mariota, uh, he is going to be out a few weeks is the best case scenario. According to Adam Schefter, he had the 31 yard run got hurt right after that. John Gruden said, well, they, they were going to use him more, but he got hurt. Do they need to sign a backup quarterback? Or do you think they trust Nathan Peterman enough that, Hey, Derek Carr went down, Nathan Peterman, get in there. Well, based on what, you know, the time that he spent in the preseason and the fact that Gruden said that Mariota is available on an emergency basis, but we don't want to extend him out there. And as it turns out that he got injured anyway, um, it's just a matter of what they saw in Peterman during the during the preseason. Of course, it wasn't against anybody's first string. We saw more starters sit during this preseason from a lot of teams. But um, I don't know if they're going to go out and get somebody, and, and I don't know if they necessarily need to. Um, 
you know, I, I think it would be more of an emergency basis if Carr went down. I don't think that they go get a backup. I think that they trust Peterman enough to be the backup if Carr goes down in that game. It's a matter of what what takes place from that point if they have to go out and sign somebody. Do they go rush out and sign somebody now until Mariota's? And we don't know. You know, I think the, the telling sign on Mariota's injury is going to be if they do that. If they do that, then you know that Mariota's injury is longer than a couple of weeks' best-case scenario. If if they don't, then we can expect Mariota back. Nathan Peterman has been a Raider for three full seasons. This is his fourth year as a member of the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Now, he's never played in a game. Uh, in the Raiders' best interest, he's not the number two quarterback. He's the number three quarterback. But if you have sunk three-plus years into Peterman and – he got paid a million dollars last year. He got a million dollar guarantee this year. Not that that's a ton of money, but it's a guy who once threw five interceptions and a half of football and the Raiders have been paying him a million plus for four years now. I have to imagine you are going to trust that guy as your backup quarterback. Especially when, in in essence, he's the backup to an injury prone guy. I mean, Mariota was injured during training camp. He He plays with a bit of reckless abandon. We saw when he came in last year. In that one game, uh, was it against Miami? Uh, the Chargers. Or the Chargers, yeah. okay. Uh, and he, I mean, he just sort of it ignited things with the way that he played, the way that he ran. Gruden even talked about, you know, his uh, some of the runs that he made, and he was thinking, you know, what are you doing? So when you have somebody, you know, Mariota's age and, and the way that he plays – you're in essence, you're trusting Peterman to be the backup to someone who 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 could sustain an inch plays like you know that that could sustain an injury. Now you're in that position. Um, I I definitely think that they you know like I said that they trust him. And if it's a telling sign that they're not signing somebody on an emergency basis that that they think that Mariota's injury is not going to be that long lasting and and they'll have their number two back and they can trust Peterman for now. Um, you know. To your point, he has you no, know, he has not played, but they sure gave him a lot of time. Maybe that was the sign that they gave him the entire preseason to play. And what was the guy's name that was that they brought in? That the, Case Cookus. Cookus. Cookus's Tookus was uh he played one snap. Peterman was the only you know, he had a chance to be the only quarterback in the NFL to play every single they snap, but him. they had to they robbed him of that honor for one snap. Unbelievable. And unbelievable, Gruden. And and didn't even let Case Cookus took us throw the ball. No. They brought him in just to hand it off <laughs> yes. one time. Well, what? it's it's not a good sign if you hand it off one time and they're like, We've seen enough. Yeah, it was <laughs> third and long. Thank 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 you, sir. Sit unbelievable. down. Unbelievable. That's a kick us in the took us. That's unbelievable. For that would have been a great day for Nathan Peterman. He could have told his family about it ru- that. I'm gonna tell you right now, it ruined the the, the lead to my story. <laughs> It's really, you know, or this, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, I had it in one of my notes that Peterman could have been, you know, was the only quarterback to take every single snap, but he it's, blew that. It's almost as bad as last year when Alvin Kamara had the six touchdown game. And for some reason, Sean Payton gave Taysom Hill a carry from the one yard line. Where had he not done that and given it to Kamara, Kamara would have had seven touchdowns and the NFL record. Instead, he only tied the record. I think this is a little bit more. That was a little bit more important than playing every snap in a preseason game. Yeah. But, you know, what the hell a coach is doing? Come on. Pay they, attention to history every now and then. 
You could have played Peterman in every snap. You know what they need? They need they need like a stat guy. They need someone like you, someone who you know with with the stats that can get the get the get in the ear and say, hey, 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 we have a record on the line here. Leave leave him in or give it do this. You know they they need someone just, to to care. Who's running the Raiders Twitter account during games? They just got to be like, John, I got a good tweet lined up if you do this. <laughs> it's already set. <laughs> what? Well, I don't know, but whoever's running that Twitter account sure did. Who, who was it that they, that they wished the happy birthday <laughs> on the Muse? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, uh, guys, uh, we got to stop scheduling things so far in advance. I think that I think they're going to have a, they, they're going to need a backup social media guy quicker than they're going to need a backup quarterback to. You've never seen Ted, right? No. Okay, so then, yeah, he's qualified to be a social media guy in Vegas. <laughs> All right. That I do have. No one will understand. I do have a fun tweet. This is from Scott Kasmer, which is. This is great. It's got to be one of the most bizarre things. So the Steelers have missed the playoffs five times in Ben Roethlisberger's career. 2006, 2009, 2012, 2013, and 2018. Every single time they have missed the playoffs, they have missed it by one game. And every single time they've missed the playoffs by one game, they lost a game that year to the Raiders. That is unbelievable that a they've every time they've missed the playoffs, they've only missed it by one game B that they have always lost the Raiders in that and C that the Raiders have been terrible in that stretch. Like this is not when like, whoa, no, not even the playoff year. That doesn't even include none of those years. The Raiders were a playoff team. But all five of those years, they beat the Steelers and essentially kept them out of the playoffs. So all that means is week two, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the playoffs, they're winning on Sunday. They if have they lose, to they're not going to the playoffs. They can just shut it down and not play the rest of the year. So the key thing here is if the Steelers lose on Sunday, you have to be at the book for that game. The second that game's over, you want to bet the no that the, the Steelers is somewhere <laughs> that's got odds up that they're not making the playoffs. Right away. Or and have your or have your, your in-game app or whatever app you use. Yeah, but you definitely want to bet the no on the Steelers if they lose at like 101 p.m. Pacific. And probably load up on like a Browns or Ravens to win yeah. the AFC North yeah. division. Definitely. One of the two. Or well, both, I, I, I parlay them. Go all in. You gotta go. Works, you gotta go with the Browns <laughs> winning the North, considering how dinged up the Ravens are. If if the Steelers lose, that's a, that's that, that's they, great. You sent that over. Win, I was like, wow, that's crazy. If they win, they're in the playoffs. It's, yeah. it's done for. Done but, deal. Actually, if they win, you should be loading up on Steelers to win, to win the, the AFC North <laughs> because they're probably <laughs> catching a good plus price behind the 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 Browns and the Ravens. Yeah. So, well, one game and that's all that matters. Listen, if they lose to the Raiders. And miss the playoffs again this year by one game. Roethlisberger just got to retire, just got to walk away and say, "No, I can't do this." Somehow, the only time I ever miss the playoffs is when I play the stupid Raiders, who aren't any good. Like, it'd be one thing if that was a stat, and it was like, "Oh, every time they lost to the Patriots, they missed the playoffs." But no, it's the Raiders who probably have finished with like an average of five wins in those years. They were trying to slip into the wild card, but I lost to the six and <laughs> yes. ten. Raiders. That's what's kept them from being a playoff team every single year. Because, listen, if it wasn't for the Raiders, the Steelers would have been a playoff team basically every single year that Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. Which just intensifies this rivalry that was brought up the other day. And, of course, Carr had to 
throw that little comment in. Is it really a rivalry? <laughs> like if it's been 20 years since a significant game has been Well, played? I don't think it's necessarily just because of that. I just think it's 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 historic in terms of the original AFC powers from the like, you know, from like my childhood days. It was always the Steelers and Raiders in the AFC down that stretch, you know, after the Dolphins undefeated season, it was the Steelers or Raiders going to the to the Super Bowl and the the power AFC teams from back then and you know uh the Kenny Stabler days the Lester Hay days the 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 Franco Harris days the the Jack Lambert days those days so i mean it it's just it's it's kind of like talking about the Cowboys and and the 49ers when that intensified from the catch i mean now those two teams that's not significant but there's this history behind the uh, the rivalry of it and and those that remember these days you know that you, you think of of rivalries you're thinking you know in the AFC you're thinking the Patriots you're thinking the the new era powers but for rich history and rivals the Steelers and, and Raiders run deep back to then all right coming up next Bischoff's brief is going to take a look at UNLV's non-conference schedule. Bischoff's briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just now. We're going to have uh, a little bit later, not much left in the show, so not too longer from now. We will have tickets to the League's Cup Final at Allegiant Stadium on Wednesday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, UNLV basketball. They finally released their non-conference schedule. I'm pretty optimistic about this schedule. So we knew a lot of these games, but the high-end games, uh, Michigan and uh, UCLA, those are two teams that are top 10, like at the worst, those are probably both top 25 teams. Those are going to be as far as resume building, very good games for UNLV's strength of schedule. When we look back and how many quad one games that they play, presumably you don't need to get blown out by 30 in those games. And it helps you quite a bit, but if they can find a way, even if they don't win them, if they lose those games by single digits or within 15, those are games that'll probably help UNLV when you look at like a Ken Palm rating or something like that. But they've also got some other good teams that are on this schedule. When you look at, they're going to play one of Arizona state or Wichita state. Mm -hmm. They're going to play at SMU, even at San Francisco. Those are all teams that should be solid for UNLV. That'll help their resume. And then you hear names like Gardner Webb or North Dakota state Hartford or San Diego. None of those sound like very good teams, but all four of those teams were top 200 by Ken Palm last year. UNLV, for reference, was 176th. So those are not good teams. Those are teams that are not necessarily going to like help UNLV's resume a whole lot. You're not. They're going to be quad two or quad three games at best. But those are not the teams that are ranked 345th. Those are not the teams that are going to drag down UNLV's Ken Palm ratings. They're not going to hurt their quad rankings at the end of the season, their net ranking at the end of the season. Those are games that are going to just kind of be neutral, right? Even if they lose one of them, if they lose a game to say Hartford or something like that, that's not going to be a killer. So if they beat Gardner Webb by nine points, that's actually might end up helping their resume at the end of the year. So those are 
they're they're bad games in the sense that if you lose to Gardner Webb, that sounds really bad to your fan base because nobody knows if Gardner Webb is a legitimate school or not. But if you lose one of those games, and they probably will lose one, it's college basketball, it's really not going to sink the team. There's only two genuinely bad teams on this schedule. One is Whittier College, who is non-Division One, which is whatever. It's just a bye game just to play a non-Division One team. And the other one is uh, Omaha. That's yeah. the only team that was outside the top 300. So this schedule for UNLV, I think it gives them a legitimate chance to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. Obviously, you have to win some games. But if this team is actually good, there are enough good games on this schedule that they'll have a solid resume going into Mountain West play that you can make the argument. Again, they got to win some, but you, they, they're, they're, the schedule's there that if this team's good, they can make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're right. The, the Those teams that you mentioned, those are the teams. A lot of these teams are the ones where you're filling out your bracket. You're looking at, you know, the 15 or 16 seeds and, and you don't really think twice about it. You, you're, you're picking the other side and then all of a sudden you're watching, you know, that 9 a.m., on the wit on the Thursday or Friday or you know the opening round and and they're taking the Dukes or the Michigans down to the wire like the Gardner Webbs or or like uh you know the Seattles or the Hartfords those are the teams that are that are doing that and they're 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 playing gritty basketball so they're gonna be great tests early on for a team with a new coaching staff somewhat of a rebuilding you know and let's face it this is not the UNLV running rebels from Back in the day, this is a team that, you know, for all due respect, that is being compared to those mid-majors like like those teams. So where in the past, and I remember going to the Rotunda or the Thomas and Mack, the early days, and we were clamoring for the days of being able to, to play a UCLA, you know, and, and that was the big talk back then in the Tarkanian days was getting a UNLV-UCLA rivalry going. Now they're playing those teams, but – now UNLV's looking up to those programs and 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 counting on those non-conference games for learning experiences. Whereas those other games that you mentioned, um, the Seattle's, the Hartford's, even San Diego from the West Coast Conference, um, when you're playing, you know, teams like that, th- those are good building blocks and good time to 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 get your scheme set and get ready for Mountain West basketball. So. Um, overall, it's a, it's a decent non-conference schedule from top to bottom outside of those couple of gimmies, like you said, um, uh, was it uh, Whittier in Omaha. Omaha? Here's the problem, though. If UNLV is not good, and it's a bunch of guys that have never played college basketball together, there's a chance UNLV has a horrible record because when you look at a San Diego, when you look at a Hartford, those are teams that can beat UNLV. Like they, they do. They only have two teams on this schedule that you look at and say, "Yeah, there's no chance Whittier beats them. There should be no chance that Omaha beats them." If UNLV's not good, the schedule could set them up to have a terrible record. And if you're talking about starting the Kevin Kruger era with like five wins in your first thirteen or something like that, that's going to be a nightmare start for UNLV. Because again, when you're just going off perception. If they lose to Gardner-Webb, Hartford, San Diego, Seattle, North Dakota State, they lose to like four or five of those teams, that looks horrible, right? You can lose to one of them and people can forget about it, especially if you win a bunch of other games. But it, this is set, it's set up well if they're a good team, but it's set up pretty poorly if they're a bad team. If they're a bad team, it's going to look even worse than we think because 
it's not big names, but it's teams certainly capable of beating them. The one thing that I think that they have going for them, the runner rebel said is, is this, you know, when you're playing other playing under other guy, other coaches, not someone who played for this program, you know, you're going in with the perception, Hey, we have to win this, or we should win this, or we, whatever the mindset is. Kevin Kruger's a guy who can let these these let his players know and remind them that even though UNLV has dropped to that mid major conversation um, and they're no longer the national power, to some of these guys, some of these players at these schools, the Seattle's, the Hartford's, the San Diego's, right? They're looking at, hey, we're going to Las Vegas. This is still this is UNLV. And Kevin Kruger can remind his players that the same way that they're looking at the game against UCLA, the Michigan, the potential games, Arizona State, which the same way they're looking at that, that's how these teams are looking at UNLV, even though those Ken Palm rankings, those net rankings, have them all in that same lower tier. That's how they're looking at UNLV the way UNLV is looking at UCLA. So, and Kruger, as a former player, can sort of implement that mindset and remind these guys, hey, the target's on your back. We have to go out and play the way that we, you know, and I'm not saying that the TJ or past coaches haven't, but there's, there's a different mindset because they're playing for a former player that remembers, you know, and knows the rich history and knows what these other players and these other teams are going to be sort of looking at UNLV like. And uh, I think it'll be a different mindset. I'm, I'm sort of somewhat optimistic of what Kevin can bring to the program and in, in sort of being a player type coach, players coach, um, and delivering the right mentality to these guys coming into the season. You got a record prediction for non-conference? 13 games? I think they go 8 and 5. I I was I'm 7 and 6, 8 and 5. I'm right there with you. I think that I don't think they I don't think they're going to hit best case scenario where they are an NCAA tournament team and I don't think they're going to hit worst case scenario where they win 3 or 4 of these games, but I think you know they'll win most of the games against Gardner Webb, North Dakota yeah. State. They'll lose one of those, probably. Which 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 out of those teams do you see them losing? Uh, well, I would say at San Francisco is sort of the team, the maybe the worst name team you lose to because it's on the road, and San Francisco is generally a top half WCC team, uh, and it's only one of two road games they play. So I'd say at San Francisco. Yeah, well, they lose one. They play Seattle, Hartford, Omaha, San Diego, four in a row at home in December. I think they'll win all four. I think they'll get all four of those. So it'll be a question of can they pull off any upset? Like, can they beat an Arizona or Wichita State or even, I mean, God, if they beat Michigan or UCLA, we're going to have a whole lot of hype going. We're taking calls. Right. So I think eight eight and five ends up being their record, and it's not really going to be quite enough to put them in the NCAA tournament conversation going into Mountain West play but it'll be a decent start to the season and enough to be, you know, positive or positive outlook about the Kevin Kruger era, at least in year one. Can they, um, they're going to, you know, obviously they should be Gardner Webb, um, Cal. I think they'll be Cal. Because it's, cause it's early in the season. I think so too. I think this team could start out. I think this team goes into its Michigan game three and oh. Be a good start for him. Yeah. And then if they beat Michigan, everybody will be excited. We'll put them in the NCAA tournament. Oh, it's automatic. Four games P- in. Pencil them in and Just all this. Just fast yeah. forward to March. They'll yep. be in. All right. Coming up next, Cassie Soto joins the show. She is a used Honda Civic, hates 50% of her dogs, and will never get engaged. Time to mock Raiders.com's Cassie Soto on the Press Box. 
Hi, Cassie. Hello. Hi, Cash. Did I ruin Hello. Did I ruin Mexican Independence Day for you yesterday? You're the worst. <laughs> it's not my not fault. Not even one day. It's not can even I my fault. Happy Mexican little girl. You posted the picture from the greatest game of the year. You didn't have to respond. Oh, of course I did. You were all happy, and I knew that was that was like a photo that preceded unfortunate events. Well, unfortunate for you, fortunate for me. You're the worst. Yeah. Cassie, so I... I can hear through the phone, Jared calls you and he says, you're with Tyler Bischoff and Willie Ramirez. And I hear, oh, God, oh, God, how do I hit decline? I was thinking, dang, what did I do? I brought you oh, donuts and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else started calling me at the exact same time. So mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to hang up on that mm-hmm. real quick. And what, you got yeah. flustered because somebody else was calling you? Well, I always end up hitting the wrong button. Because like, on iPhone, like three buttons, like it's like, hang up, add to call. Joint, like, Should have added to call. That would have been yeah. great. Who, who was it? Would it have been good to add to them? Add to this call? I don't know. It was a number I didn't have. Oh, okay. So probably not. All right. Uh, you know what you're here for. Uh, give us your rundown of the donut bar at Allegiant Stadium. Oh man. <laughs> I was so there for much, part of this. Oh my gosh! They're calling me again. It's from Sanger, California. Isn't that where Tom Flores is from? <sighs> No idea. You were Tom Flores is from Sanger. Is Tom Flores calling me? Could could be someone from Raiders.com. I don't know. Anyways, back to the donuts. All of these glorious donuts were made available. And, of course, I'm sitting with Willie, Heidi, and Adam. And they see me looking at the donuts. And they're like, Cass, you got to try the hot dog donut, which was the most disgusting-looking donut on the whole platter. But because I'm a team player and a, and a good sport, I was like, all right, I'll try this hot dog donut. And it was literally just like a piping of red frosting. And for the fans who haven't had the pleasure of watching me eat this donut and having red frosting all over my teeth, I think Willie has it up on his Twitter. Was You posted that one, right, right Willie? Well, well, the greatest part about that was that Adam was taking pictures and I was shooting video, but we all asked permission before and had to show uh, Cassie what we had before posting it so she was okay with it because I think Adam had the still shot with the red all over her teeth. I had the video of her, of the review of the first bite. So, yeah, it was, we, but we did get permission from um uh, I from, was covered from all angles. It was probably the most in-depth coverage <laughs> the, the four of us have done all year. And it was me eating a, a donut shaped like a hot dog or in the form of a hot dog. Um, as you're about to bite into that, because yeah. it had it was a hot dog and it had like fake mustard and ketchup on it, uh, were your taste buds expecting donut or expecting hot dog? No, I, I was expecting donut. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was. Because you could tell like the bun, the, hot, the donut itself was like an OG, like the glazed bar. So I could tell in my mind. It was an OG was donut. donut. Nice. Okay. So what, what other donuts were there? Which ones were actually good? I tried. They had the Tres Leches one. Oh, and that one was so good. It had like a mile high of frosting, though, so it was a little much. And then I think I wanted to go back for a red velvet, but they were gone already. So I just had the two. What? Well, I had the bite of the hot dog. You're, you're telling me the woman no. that stole cookies from Las Vegas Ballpark from that I was there figure, for that night. Only had two donuts when there was an entire donut bar? <laughs> You know what else I had? I had one other. There was like a cream puff thing, but the chocolate was weird. It was like a ganache chocolate, and I don't like ganache. 
I am about just for for the listeners. I am about to retweet at Willie G Ramirez. Uh, the we have a full blown dessert review from Cassie Soto live at Allegiant Stadium. Um, her biting into the donut, you can see a little bit of the red on the right front a tooth. Bit. The whole my whole mouth is red. I was trying to be nice, but here we go. I'm, I'm retweeting it for everybody <laughs> that wants to see it. This is me not in my pride. Um, I have another important question on your area of non expertise. Uh, Florida State lost a football game to Jacksonville state on the final play of the game. Despite that, a Florida state football player still proposed to his girlfriend after the game on the field. Are you rejecting that proposal after your boyfriend just lost the most embarrassing loss in Florida state history? Was he responsible for the loss? I don't know who it was, but he looked like an offensive lineman. So I'm going to say no. I just think at that point, like, why even just wait until tomorrow, (laughs) right? Like, wait until the next day. I love that Cassie put her journalism hat on and said, was he responsible for the law? That was that was fantastic. I mean, it was responsible for the laws. It's like, dude, like, you're going to embarrass me now. Like, you're a loser. But even (laughs) but even if he wasn't responsible. You'd still be associating, hey, when did you get – every time you tell your proposal story, it's, oh, yeah. right after Florida State lost to some school you've never heard of before. Right after they they lost to Howard. Yes, exactly. Oh, had my. you gotten proposed to at UNLV Howard, that's exactly what this would have been. That's a – oh, God, please get up. Please get up. Don't, no, don't kneel. Don't, no, 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 no. Or Eastern Washington, because weren't you at that game yeah, as a fan? I was at that game, and that was that was a decent game, from what I remember. <laughs> from what I remember, oh, that's right, because she was in the VIP lounge. I did. Yes. Hey, get this though. I did. Uh, we went to this farmers market on Wednesday, and this lady was selling like handcraft jewelry or whatever. And I was trying some on, and it was just like cute, like everyday jewelry. And she's like, "Oh, like, do you want? Do you know your your ring size? I could I could size your finger." And the boyfriend was right next to me. And I was like, why don't we size this finger? Was and it of the... course, it was the ring finger. And I'm a size seven. So now he knows this. And it should be embedded in his brain. So now there's now he just knows, you Do know? Because you... I don't know, like, how guys usually go about doing that. Like, I think my girlfriend's finger size is this big. You know? Like, how would you do that, Tyler? Do you know your girlfriend's finger size? Uh, no, uh, no chance. Uh, do you think he's already forgotten? I think she's told me, too, and I've forgotten. Do you think he's already forgotten? No, seven's an easy number to remember. Especially in Vegas. Now, was it the farmer's market on uh, Vegas and Rampart? Uh, yeah, the one. Yeah, 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 right here. Uh-huh. So, so it's outdoorsy. Yeah, did, did, did Archie get to go? No, because we went when it was so hot outside to burn his little feet. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That's a that one's a that's a good one. And then I think that's still going the one on Saturdays. I believe it's Saturday mornings they do it Tivoli, but those are always those those are those are always good choices. So that's good. So you tricked him into memorizing the ring size. Do you do we did did you notice anything in maybe his his mannerisms and his face? Do you think do you think you no, got the point he was across? Like, Great, can I go get my tamales now? Because like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole reason we went. So he definitely doesn't remember. He's got no chance yeah, no. of remembering what it was. Yeah, he probably doesn't. No chance whatever. at all. If he, he was can't worried, say I didn't try to help. He was worried about tamales right afterwards. Yeah, he doesn't have a clue. <laughs> no clue, whatever. Cassie. Poor Cassie. Uh, well, I know at least. I guess I'm gonna have to go get it resized in eight years from did, now. Did you not know already? 
I didn't. I really oh. didn't. Okay. How the hell do you expect to be proposed to if you didn't even know your ring size? Because whenever, because I just buy like little cheapo rings, so it's like small, medium, large. So I'm a medium. <laughs> <laughs> like you could just walk into a ring shop and be like, "Yeah, her finger size is medium." I, <laughs> I do want to see that. That'll be good. Yeah. So, Cash, you're 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 on the phone here with us. We're I'm assuming that uh, Raiders.com doesn't have you going to uh, Steel Town. Will you be out at the? Uh, at the alma mater's game tomorrow? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm just trying to take a day off. I'm, no. I'm well, you went as a fan. The, you went as a fan for the home opener. You might as well try to, you know, snag another VIP pass for at Allegiant for for this one. It's going to be a bigger crowd with a Big Twelve opponent coming in. I don't know if we got those. I don't think there was thirty three dollars tickets available for this one, Willie. Really. There were. They're just in the upper deck, not in the suites. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no Dos Artes up there. What, what do I look like? Nosebleed UNLV tickets? Come on. Why not? Jeez, Cassie. My God. <laughs> my God over here. All right. Get out of here, Cassie Soto. She's Cassie Soto from Raiders.com. Still ringless, but eating hot dog-shaped donuts. <laughs> Bye. I will say, on Cassie's part, very smart of her to make sure she got to approve any pictures or videos you tweeted out because... Girl eating anything shaped like a hot dog. Eh, don't want to post those on the internet just without any checking first. I pass. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say thanks, Tyler, for walking us down that uh, tightrope. Here the way- we go. We got tickets to give away. Do you have something good to say, Jared? No, I was just going to say how, like, I realized I'm the only person who's proposed probably in the last, like, 10 years. You steal one of her other rings. That's how you know. I proposed. I know. I'm saying it. I'm divorced. Jared called I'm you divor- old. I'm Jared divor- called yeah. you old. Yeah. I'm divorced now, but I wanted, when did I propose? 2005 or six? I did it. I did it over birthday weekend at the JW Marriott Rampart, right? At a lounge. It was supposed to be my birthday weekend that my fiance at the time took us to and, and invited my friends, and they all were in on it. So it was like they were up there for my birthday. But in reality, I went up. Uh, to the lounge singer and he let me get on the mic to thank everybody for coming for my birthday and i said i'm about to flip the script and then i got down on one knee and proposed how did you know her ring size i don't think that i did i think that i just took a shot and then figured i'll just we'll just get it sized and then we went down and you know i I don't think that i don't think i don't think you have to really i think you i think it's more or less just propose and then go get it because then you got to get the band the matching band and all that kind of stuff anyway so all right, here we go. We got tickets to give away to the League's Cup final. What did we learn? What did we learn, Jared? We, did... learned, we learned Willie's proposal oh, story. That okay. was delightful. Four <laughs> tickets. The League's Cup final is at Allegiant Stadium on Wednesday, September 26th. The Seattle Sounders are taking on Leon from Liga MX. So if you want to go, 702-364-1100. We will take caller number six at 702-364-1100. And the pitch. Another slider, and this one's crushed. Deep to center field. Going back to Vaz. There it goes. Carlos Correa. A three-run shot. It's three to nothing. You're locked in the press box. I didn't have a... Ed's not here, so it's not fun. Padres won yesterday, too. I know, but... Mm. It's okay. I enjoy Carlos Correa home runs uh, for at least another month and a half. Um, wait, Jared, who was our winner of the League's Cup tickets? That'd be Patrick. Congratulations, Patrick. He's going to the League's Cup final on Wednesday. Now, 
We need to get our predictions for Raiders and Steelers, mainly because we need to see if Jared can finally get a scoregami right. But, Willie, you're first. Who you got? Well, I think that the injuries are going to be a problem. I think that the Steelers playing at home, uh, not having to travel too far after their game, I think it's going to be a tight one. I think the Raiders' defense will show up for a little bit, but uh, I'm going to give the nod to Pittsburgh in a close one, and it's going to fall around 23-17 to 17 Steelers. Low-scoring game. Steelers are winning 27-26. Wow. Wow, one-pointer. Uh, you, you have the Steelers' offense putting up 27 points. That's right. All right. Fair enough. I, I think Willie's probably closer, and so I'm going with 8 to 14. <laughs> Wait, 8 to 14 has never happened? No, apparently not. Ever in any game? No. Really? I'm more amazed at these predictions that when eight, they... 8 it, to 13 happened uh, between the 49ers and Bengals on September 25th, 2011, but 8 to 14 has never happened. For those of you that are unaware of what's happening when we do our predictions... Uh, for Raiders games, Jared picks a scoregami, which is a score that has never happened before in an NFL game. Jared does not pick an actual winner, though. Jared just gives okay, the score because, because if I get it right, right, it does not matter which teams win. If he gets the scoregami right, we're giving him credit for that. And I am, I genuinely, I think that's the most surprising one you've ever said that has never happened. Yeah, eight to fourteen because it's. I mean, fourteen's obviously pretty common, but it can't be that hard to get to eight. I guess you don't have teams, I don't know, scoring a touchdown and going for two and then never scoring again the rest of the game. I'm just, I'm looking at 14 and it goes the, if you, if you go with 14 as a, like, a, as one of the points, you have to go all the way to 60, 14 to 60 to be the like other thing. So, so I'm thinking the Steelers might be the team that's kind of aggressive and going for two. So you might get like if the Raiders are up 14 to nothing in the fourth quarter, if you score a touchdown after when you're down 14, you score a touchdown, you should always go for two late in the game because it gives you a better chance to win. The Steelers might do that. They might score down 14, nothing, go for two, get it and then not score again. This is the most realistic your scoregami has ever been, Jared. That's what I'm trying to say. It's mostly because I don't believe in either team. Well, it's, and for betting purposes right now, it looks like Pittsburgh is laying six with a total of 47. Wow, six. Seems high, doesn't it? I guess they beat they just beat Buffalo. But they, still they didn't beat Buffalo by a whole hell of a lot. But they were underdogs going in. They the were game, underdogs. So. It was on the road. And Vegas is uh you know, banged up and having to travel on a short week. So the line somewhat makes sense, I guess. I well, I guess I didn't even I just looked at it just now after uh Scorigami talk, and uh, so I guess my <laughs> prediction is right on the number, uh, but I have it falling well under, which I definitely would play under 47 if I hadn't made that prediction because I think that it's going to be a physical battle, and I'm a bigger believer in the Raiders' defense right now um, than I am the offense, and that's not a slam to Derek Carr because I think, you know, it's just that offensive line is – Hasn't shown us anything in that first game, so and it, now it's banged up. What do you mean they had that critical false start on the goal line? Showed us a lot. That was huge. They Andre James snapped snap. the ball while Derek Carr wasn't paying attention. That was huge. It was great. Yeah. It was a great start. Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr ended up in the fetal position after. <laughs> oh crap! The ball just got snapped right past my head. I, man, 
the offensive line somehow I'm I cannot believe they won the first game of the season when the offensive line did not play well and they had the worst goal line sequence you could possibly have when all you have to do is score a touchdown failed quarterback sneak false start interception Interception. off of the receiver's hands (laughs) after everybody was midfield shaking hands and the referees (laughs) after Lamar Jackson and Trayvon Mullen were about ready to exchange their jerseys at midfield. Yes. They thought they won the game after guys like, uh, you know, Vinny Bonsignor, Josh about Ed had their lead written and ready to hit file and then had to rewrite. Unbelievably dumb game. I cannot believe that happened. I can't believe they won that game. Like the amount of mistakes they made to win that game is incredible. They lost the kicker. They did. They lost the game and they still managed to win. They lost that game. They did. Which which UNLV team was it where they couldn't find the po- was that a Sanchez coach team? Remember, do you remember when they were looking and they ended up getting a delay game? Was it was it because they were looking for the punter? Do you remember? I don't that remember them seasons? losing the punter. Was it was the it punter the holder? I think when they was, had was one the where the holder didn't go on the field. Maybe that's and... what it was. I because we were talking about that and I couldn't remember. Right. It was a special teams blunder with UNLV football. I think they had one under Sanchez where the holder never made it on the field. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah, they couldn't find Daniel Carlson. So and the Raiders that... went all UNLV on us. Turned into a game-winning touchdown pass somehow. <laughs> <laughs>